Welcome back to the All Personal Podcast, where we turn the good old saying, nothing personal, just business, upside down, and prove how, in fact, it's all personal, nothing is just business. Because it's all either intrapersonal, how we manage ourselves, or interpersonal, how we manage our relationships with others, both at home and at work. It's all about our personal skills muscles. Today, I'm talking to Tammy Guller Loeb. In her 20 years as an executive career and executive coach, writer, facilitator, and speaker, Tammy has inspired people to engage in work that is fulfilling, meaningful, and satisfying. She provides a variety of services to individual clients and businesses in a range of sectors and industries, including executive and career coaching, group facilitation, training, and speaking. Tammy also hosts a podcast, Work From The Inside Out, which showcases the inspiring stories and practical lessons of people who have transitioned to more satisfying and meaningful work. Her upcoming book, Work From The Inside Out, Break Through Nine Common Obstacles and Design a Career That Fulfills You, will be available starting September 2021. What I really, really loved, especially about this conversation, is that we looked at coaching and what makes great coaching and what makes a great coach and what you need to look at when you're looking for a coach. Among other things, we also talked about how writing a book is a good decision to make and also a scary thing to think about and how some things feel scary and exciting at the same time. So for those of you who are going through a transformation journey and who might also think about writing your first book, you have so many beautiful insights in this conversation right here. Are you ready? Here we go. Tammy, welcome to the All Personal Podcast. Thank you, Roxana. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here, and uh, I'm really, really curious of, about where this conversation is going to take us. Uh, but I wanted to ask you before we dive right in to shortly introduce yourself and say sure. who you are today and what you're doing. Yeah. So who I am today? Well, I I live in the Boston area, Massachusetts, and I have been working as a career and executive coach for about 20 years. I also work with groups and organizations doing facilitation work, team building, leadership development. And then about two years ago, I started a weekly podcast called Work From The Inside Out. And I just recently completed the manuscript for a book so I'm still letting that roll off the tongue, but um, so there's a lot of pieces still left to pull that together, but it's my first book and it's based on 
all the the stories of people I've interviewed on my podcast and other people I've known in my life who have found their way beyond some of the typical barriers or buts, as I call them, the things that we always say but to in our lives. Oh, but I can't do this or but I shouldn't do that. Um, that get in the way or get us stuck in our careers or get us stuck in our lives and we don't pursue the things that might be more fulfilling or satisfying for us. So, and these are things I see in my coaching practice all the time too. So I'm hoping that it will get out there and uh, help people who would like to get beyond their butts. <laughs> That's, I love, I love this topic <laughs> anyway. I'm absolutely fascinated by, by this topic. Um, and cause I, I come from a similar background to yeah. yours. Yeah. So I'm absolutely passionate about this topic. So we're gonna definitely end up talking about that. Oh, but I, I, I wanted to ask you, um, first, how did you discover this, this passion of yours? How did you get into coaching? Yeah. Um, well, you know, the passion, coaching's kind of the vehicle for it. The passion came long before that. I, I would say from a very, very young age onward, I've always wanted to help people with making their lives better in one way or another. I remember as a very young child saying, oh, I would love to be a teacher of blind people or deaf people. I remember the story of Helen Keller or um, I used to work at a, a camp um, that my dad ran for developmentally delayed kids. And I just always had an affinity for people who had different abilities or different ways of looking at the world. So, um, so I, you know, I always found my way to wanting to help people. When I was in college, I worked in the Career Resource Center on campus. I had a, a campus job. It was part of my financial aid package. And I loved working there because I got to help people think about what their next steps might be, whether it was for a summer job or for looking into graduate school. And I was trained very well there to help run workshops on resume writing or um, help people think about what graduate schools they might want to go to or help people with cover letters and resumes, things like that. So I, I really enjoyed that. And then once I graduated from school, I had a whole series of different types of jobs, some of which I loved, some of which I started loving and then grew to really find myself unhappy in. And, and in some cases I realized, you know, life is too short to be unhappy at work. And Love so it. I arrived at a point where I realized, I think I want to help people develop their careers or develop themselves at work or find a way to um, make for happier workplaces. Because what I noticed in various places I worked was that there were, you know, a lot of politics and dynamics. And um, I would say that I had several bosses over the years who I really just didn't enjoy working under which is probably why I became self-employed <laughs> um, because I didn't like being told what to do. Um, 
but it took time to get there. You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to stop working for other people and work for myself. You have to build yeah. up to that. But I did about a little over 20 years ago, I heard about this field called coaching. And at that time, I had been thinking about what am I going to do next? I know that I'm, I myself was at a stuck point and I thought, I know I need to do something else. I already had a master's degree. I had a, I had an MBA, a master's in business administration. And so I had gotten an education around, you know, how businesses work, how organizations work. My favorite courses were in organizational behavior. I loved all the, the I took a great course on leadership and another course on organizational consulting. And those were my favorite courses. And then I thought, well, do I have to go back to school and get another master's degree? Do I need a master's in counseling or... Because I want to, I definitely want to work more directly with people. At that point in time, I was actually doing a lot of fundraising work, trying to help a lot of other organizations that were helping people. But I wasn't enjoying fundraising because it was very isolated. I wasn't really working directly to help people. I was just raising money to help other people who were helping people. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, then, then a friend of mine mentioned that her husband was working with a coach and that it was very, very helpful to him in terms of building his business. So I, I learned about it and I spoke to a woman who had just been trained as a coach. And when I heard about what coaching was and what the approach was, I thought, ah, oh, that's it. That's what I want to do. And so I, I never looked back again. I just dove right in. I took uh, I found a program that really appealed to me. I took all their courses. I did their certificate. A year later, I was certified. I was, mm -hmm. I really just dove right in. It was, it, you know, it's one of those things where when it feels right, you just know it. And that's what I did. And, and so from there, it was a pretty um, smooth ride for me in terms of thinking about using coaching in the context or looking at it through the lens of helping people with their careers. Mm -hmm. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. So right. that was probably a very long answer to a, a quest, your question, but I'm not <laughs> but sure. No, what? I, I, exactly. And I think like, like everything, it's a journey, right? Yeah. So I really enjoyed that, that story of the journey of, of the how, you got to do what you do because um, I feel like a lot of the time we just cut corners and yeah. we find all of those shortcuts and we feel like it's not important to give all of those details. But I find that the details are very inspiring, especially for people maybe looking at what it is that they can do and how they can transform how they can mm -hmm. become how they can get there so that was yeah. wonderful to hear a little bit of the background of that well you know it really comes down to for me when you asked you know how did you come to have a passion for coaching and i realized in that quick moment i had like a little light bulb that went on over my head you know how when somebody asks you a question and it just brings about a little bit of insight. And I realized I do love coaching, but what I love even more than coaching is helping people develop themselves professionally or to find a professional life that's more 
enjoyable, satisfying, meaningful for them. And coaching is just the vehicle through which I help them do that. And, and other things that I do um, also will help them. But coaching is really the main, the mainstay mm-hmm. of that. And so it came down to thinking, you know, kind of what's, what's my why, you know, my why is to help people find their way to that more meaningful place, right? And the coaching is sort of the what, it's how, it's the what or the how I do it. Right. So, um, there you go. Yeah. I love that you call it the vehicle because um, that, that puts things into a different perspective and it's so visual. I mean mm-hmm. that is that, and that's helpful. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do want to ask you um, about what you think because a lot of times I hear this, and you probably hear the same very often. There's a lot of coaches out there. Everyone is a coach, and yes. their dog. Yes, you're right. <laughs> right. So. Um, I wanted to, to get your, your opinion on that as, as to what makes a good coach yeah. and what we can look for Yeah. when we, let's say I'm, I'm looking for a coach cause you just, um, gave the example of somebody who was working with a coach that was actually helpful to him. Right. Yes. So, um, but how do we do that? Because from yeah. this sea of coaches, what what is your recommendation as a coach? What yes. do people need to look at when they're? That's looking? a great question. Um, and you know, it's interesting. I don't know that anybody has asked me that lately. So I appreciate the question. Um, well, first of all, you're right. Everyone is calling themselves a coach, and not everybody is a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but there are people out there calling themselves coaches who have no coaching training. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not coaches. It just means they have no formal training as a coach. Yeah. Um, I know that when I went to get my coaching training, I realized that a good part of the training I had as a coach were skills I already had but I was able to really refine them in ways I would never have otherwise because I had a whole previous career in the mental health field and there were some parallels between them. Mm -hmm. Not that coaching is therapy and I never practiced therapy, but there were some tools and skills I used in in the mental health field um, that were parallel to coaching. So I say to people, if they're looking for a coach, to do a couple of things. First of all, do do look at the person's background. If if it means that much to you to see that they have a coaching credential, by all means, look to see what kind of training they've had. Ask them about their training. Ask them what they found valuable about their training. I I really value people who have taken the time to get a coaching credential of some type. I think it does make a difference. However, I do know some people who are very seasoned, qualified professionals who never got a coaching credential, but do have the kind of background and experience that has lent itself beautifully to them having a good skill set that lends itself well to some good coaching skills. Um, I also recommend that when you're looking for a coach, don't just talk to one person and say, okay, you're hired talk to more than one person 
talked to maybe at least two or three different coaches and have a good list of questions for them about their process. How do they work with people? Not just showing up and saying, what are they, what do you charge? Um, because that's not going to tell you anything about what kind of coach they are or how good, good a coach they are, but perhaps even ask them if you can talk to a couple of their former clients. I, I will tell you, I very, very rarely have anyone who asks me for references. I, I could count on one hand how many times people have said, oh, could I talk to a few of your former clients? Mm -hmm. Which I think is interesting, but you know, maybe the people who come to me trust their own judgment and that's fine too, but I think it's okay to ask for that. Um, so I think that you really have to form your questions really well and ask, you know, uh, what, you know, what kinds of results can I expect to achieve yeah. within a certain period of time? People ask me that a lot and I usually answer it saying, well, it depends. Um, so I'm telling people to ask that question, knowing that it really does depend on a lot of things, depending, you know, the coach doesn't know you yet, so they can't yeah. tell you how you're going to do with coaching unless they've known you for a while. But I think you can learn a lot about a person by the kinds of questions they ask. Mm -hmm. And if the coach is, is any good, they will offer you, in, this is my opinion, they will offer you a complimentary session or, you know, conversation yeah. where you get, they get a chance to get to know you a little bit and maybe offer you a few um, a few tips or a few pieces of feedback that you might find helpful. You might find that you like their style or that you like some of the things that they said to you. Or you might ask them, you know, here are some of the things that I'm dealing with that I really would like to get some coaching on. Um, how would you work with someone who's dealing with the things I'm dealing with? Not that you're asking them to give away any secrets, but you know, what would the process look like, at least, you know, yeah. in the way that you know me superficially. Exactly. So, and then give yourself at least an overnight to think about it. Um, you know, I occasionally, I have people who make the decision, you know, on, on the spot and they say, oh, I know already, I want to hire you. But, you know, there are quite a few people who they need a few days to talk about it, think about it, maybe discuss it with their spouse. Um, so, you know, give yourself a little time to think about it and, and vet out a few coaches. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And thank you for, for saying that because, again, I've, I've heard so many stories that were really unhappy ending stories oh. because they had an unhappy beginning to start with oh. but um and it was because people weren't asking enough questions and then um i i, I do believe that yes it, it's gonna be a mix of the experience and the background and maybe as well former formal training mm -hmm. but it's not just the training because we all know it's also the practice right so uh, you yeah. might have the training and not be a very good coach you might as well just have the experience not the formal training and be a great right. coach so right that's right 
right? But the important thing, I, I think also in that conversation that you mentioned, which typically a coach would have, like the, the complimentary session, it would be also the coach asking you questions about you. I mean, yes, because <laughs> they will want to find out, as you said, I mean, they don't know you. So they're, they're trying to find out more information about you. They're not pitching. <laughs> they're right. They're genuinely trying to find out stuff about you. So it's, it's a conversation. It's a dialogue. And then we know it, it it's a match or it's not a match because right. you need to feel comfortable talking absolutely. to that coach and working with yes, them right absolutely yeah so i really appreciate you saying that <laughs> okay yeah i think it you know there's there's it always comes down to some kind of a a gut feel i think you know right you really yeah. have to just say does this feel right and mm -hmm. um i think most people who hire me hire me based on a gut feel and maybe they like something in particular I said to them, or they see something in my background that appeals to them. But uh, I think pretty much their gut makes the decision. Yeah, I totally so, agree with that. Yeah. Okay, so going back to to you and you as um, who you are now, you as a coach, you as an author, as a speaker, trainer, um, what would you say were those skills you mentioned teaching and and you were imagining yourself teaching as you were a child yeah so um i could assume that was one thing that helped you along the way but what would you say were the main skills that helped you build this this career and passion together mm. well i do think that my earlier career, when I graduated from college, I had a degree in psychology and I, I did a lot of internships and I got some really, really solid training and um, experience in a few internships that I did both during college and then my first job out of college was working in a, a mental health program where I did get to do some counseling, not therapy, but just some basic counseling. And I think I, I learned a lot there about how to work with people, how to, how to listen, how to just stop talking and listen. Um, and so I think that helped a whole lot. Um, I mean, I've always been naturally the kind of person who just cares a lot about other people. So I think that's more of a natural part of who I am. I'm not, I tend not to be super self-involved. I tend to like to focus on other people, but um, I think I had some, some good experiences early on that really also supported that. So those, those were really instrumental some of those early experiences i think they really gave me some good grounding that even helped me in some jobs later on that had even less to do with counseling and mental health but had to do with being able to deal diplomatically in certain work yeah. situations <laughs> Yeah, and I liked how you how you mentioned that I think it's a balance, right, between talking and listening and oh, yeah. right and and it's all about 
finding that balance and especially when it comes to really more more difficult situations that's helpful yeah. to know how to talk and when to talk and how to listen and when to just listen right as you just said or even just to be with someone you know for example years later um not that many a few years later after i graduated i i got a job in um in boston city hall working um in the mayor's office doing policy work around hunger and homelessness and poverty and but part of that job also involved the fact that that the mayor at the time really was very outspoken about the issues around homelessness and and that that even went across the country it wasn't just in boston and so what would happen is there would be homeless people who would show up at the mayor's office because they thought the mayor was going to help them find a place to live. And so what they would often do is they would send those folks up to our office. We were a small group, about four of us in this particular part of his office. And undoubtedly, if it was someone who showed up who appeared to have maybe some mental health issues, they almost always sent that person to me because nobody else felt comfortable speaking with them. So if it was anyone who seemed to be a little less, maybe a little out of touch or a little, maybe a little difficult, mm -hmm. they, oh, this is someone Tammy should talk to. <laughs> um, you know, and we would, we would provide referrals and make sure that people had some place to sleep that night and, right. and do all of that. That wasn't our main function, but we would never turn anyone away without, without additional help or services. But it, yeah, the look on other people's faces when someone would show up who they either didn't understand what they were saying or they they just couldn't figure out how to reach them. Um, they'd say, oh, this this is someone for Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think was what was, you know, making them send that person over to you? I mean, you've definitely so you mentioned listening and knowing how to talk to people. But what else do you think that was? <laughs> Um, I, you know, I was always just comfortable with, you know, I, I, I mean, I think they all knew that I had worked in the mental health field. And so that was part of it. And, and I, I'm sure I encouraged it to some degree. I don't think I encouraged it all the time, <laughs> but, um, cause we, we had a few people who came in that it was really a, a, a problem, but, um, but um yeah i think i just i wasn't as flustered or um i just i nothing really phased me that much i i treated right. everybody the same pretty much and mm -hmm. i didn't get i didn't get rattled if somebody came in and was saying things that seemed unusual i would just try to look beyond what they were saying to see what they needed and other people just would, you know, just found themselves getting uncomfortable and not being able to, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so. And I mean, I feel like this is, um, this is probably a skill that we could all use more of, especially right now, especially when we're talking about crisis situations, I think. Um, yeah. That's when you would need this kind of skill to, 
help you look beyond what's right in front of you and see the bigger picture so that you can actually help both yourself and the person in the conversation. So that's, um, yeah, that was a wonderful example of that. <laughs> a lot we can yeah. learn from it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I was wondering as well in your career so far, because we all know it's it's this field that when, when you work with people to help them grow, you definitely have to grow yourself, right? Because there's, there's no other way around it. So right. what do you have? What do you feel you had to grow? What what skills? What what behaviors maybe did you have to change and, and grow so that you grow with what you do and you can help people even better? Um, I think that, you know, that's such a good question. Uh, I think there's a few things. One thing in particular that comes to mind is continually remembering to not take anything too personally. So it's not, it's a sort of set of skills that you have to apply to that. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I would take like, you know, like in the mayor's office, if a homeless person came in who was behaving in some bizarre way, I didn't take that personally, but, um, that wasn't really the issue. It was more probably some of the behavior of my coworkers that would be problematic where I might go home at night and stew or it was a very political environment. So I, after four years there, even though the work was really interesting and fulfilling, I couldn't work in, in a heavily political environment anymore. Um, so I left. And so I would say that that's something that I really have developed over the years is how do you let things, how do you really separate things so that you realize if somebody else is, is behaving a certain way and it affects you or you feel like it's directed towards you, you have to sort of stop and think, wait a minute, that's a reflection of them. Even if it is directed towards me, I'm not a mind reader, so I shouldn't start deciding what I think they're thinking. Right. right. Yeah. But it takes a long time to really get your mind around that and realize, or, you know, the, or the whole thing about, you know, worrying about what everyone else thinks, right? Now, that sounds very personal, right? But it's something that can really affect us at work a whole lot. If you're all constantly worried about what your boss thinks or what your coworkers think, then you're 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 only half attending to what you're supposed to be doing because you're so worried or on edge about what everyone else is thinking, or you're telling yourself you know what everyone else is thinking. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you're not fully present, right? Yeah. And you know what? It's all made up anyway, because you don't know what other people are thinking. There's a very good likelihood that what everyone else is thinking is that they're thinking about what they think everyone else is thinking. They're not, they're not <laughs> thinking so anything true. about you. So it's, yeah. but yet we still roll those sort of tapes through our heads. The other thing I think that, that we do a lot and I, and I do this, that's why we're talking about it. You know, all the negative self-talk, right? Yeah. I'm too much of this. I'm not enough of that. You know, like I've struggled with my weight most of my life. So 
I'm always worried that I look too fat. I'm not dressed right. You know, I worry about those things. I worry far less about those things now. Um, far, far less. It's a relief to kind of just let those go. It, it, it's freeing. And so I've become quite unattached to a lot of those thoughts and have really worked hard over the years to do that. And what that does is it frees me up to be more present, but to also be a better coach, um, a happier person in general. Yeah. And you got to figure if you're a happier person in general, how does that impact anybody you encounter? It's Absolutely. contagious, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, from a skills point of view, it's, it's more, it's sort of a mindset. It's a, um, it's a, it's a practice, you know, it's a yeah. mindset and a practice. You know, if we talk about other skills, like, yeah, I keep working on my, you know, technical skills, like figuring out different apps and things on the computer. Yes, I always work on that stuff. Whereas a lot of other people, you know, my contemporaries, my, you know, my age, I'm, I'm like at the bottom of the baby boomer age bracket. Um, and which is uh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> That's an interesting but, but a lot, there are a lot of people, you know, who they get, you know, they get daunted by certain things in technology or things yeah. like that. Whereas I embrace it. I want to learn and know how to do certain things. I'm fascinated by it. I'm not that good at it though, but I'll, but I'll give it a shot, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know yeah. if I really answered your question fully, but I, <laughs> I think you did plenty. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but for sure. And you reminded me, um, first of all, I love that word contagious because it is absolutely happiness yeah. really is contagious it is <laughs> and it just spreads and amplifies yeah. i really believe that um and second you reminded me of that quote of what everybody else thinks is none of my business right that's right <laughs> you know? which is right. that that's what um you reminded me of it i think yes this is an important mindset to have if you if you want to grow, if you want to improve, and because you do it for yourself, you don't do it for anyone else, right? right I mean, right. that's your you measure yourself against your own values and your own measure, right? right. You don't measure right. against other people's measure. Right. Um, so I love that. And right. which which brings us to because you mentioned your first book, and yeah. that you also have a podcast. So I want to start talking about some of the some of the topics and some of the things that you say in in both of them, because um, I bet it will resonate with a lot of people who are listening right now. Okay. So tell tell us a little bit about the um, how you started with uh, with the podcast. And typically, when I hear about people um, having their own podcast, one of my first questions is, what made you want to start a podcast? Sure. Well, um, I reached a point maybe about three years ago or so where I, you know, I'd been a coach for, well, far more than 15 years. I felt like, um, I felt like I had a few things to say that could be shared with a, with a, a bigger audience or a 
broader group of people that I thought could really be helpful to people. And, you know, around career development, leadership development. And, and I really wanted to take it to a broader audience. So I thought, well, I guess I could start a blog and I could start writing or I could do a podcast. So I was kind of back and forth about it. And then, um, and then I finally decided, you know, a number of people from different parts of my life actually had, had said to me at varying points, you know, you should do radio or something. You have a good voice for that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, I do. Okay. Whatever. All right. So I thought, all right, let me, let me give this podcasting thing a, a try. And I, I knew some other podcasters at the time and they were very, very willing to help me out and help me find my way through to that. It still took me about a year to actually launch the podcast from the day I decided to do it. It took me a long time, but I wanted to launch it with several episodes ready to ready to go. Mm -hmm. So, so I did. And, um, I'm really glad I did. Cause now here I am more, more than two years down the road, uh, about 120 episodes out. And, um, it's been so much fun. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. That I can definitely resonate with. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So is it, uh, what would you say, is it um, easier to, from a public speaking perspective right now, um, thinking about podcasts and the fact that you also do workshops and you also do some public speaking and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So which one would you say is more comfortable? Oh, podcasting is definitely more mm. comfortable. Definitely. Mm -hmm because I interview people. I have conversations right. with people. The point of the podcast is to really bring to life somebody else's story. And, and I already know that I wanted their story to come to life. Mm -hmm. um, it's not about me at all. So the focus isn't on me. I'm just, you know, I'm the Tupperware. I'm holding right. the I'm holding, I'm the container and, and they get to tell their story and I get to ask questions that just bring their story to life. And it's a privilege to do it. And, yeah. you know, it, there's work involved, so I can't say it's completely easy in that way. There is some work involved. I, I write all my show notes and I send out a weekly um, email to my email list to share a little bit of the story with them. So that they can know who's on the show that week. But um, yeah, so that's definitely the easiest mm -hmm. of those three things. <laughs> and I guess it, it also makes a good use of your, your coaching skills with all of the questions that you need yes. to ask, right? <laughs> yes, because the questions are often, yeah, my coaching skills definitely enable me to, you know, kind of ask people questions that might dig a little deeper here and there. And I've, mm -hmm. I've had several people who have been interviewed a lot who will say at the end of an interview with me and they'll say, you know, you asked me a few questions that got me talking about things I haven't talked about in a long time or that I've yeah. never talked about before, or you got me thinking about things I haven't thought about. And I, I always love it when they say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and how about the book? So, okay, we were saying you have all of these, all of these skills that, that combine and help you do what you do. But then how, how did you decide? Because again, I think it's a matter of practice, as you mm -hmm. said, of some, some innate, some of the skills that are innate, some of the skills that we need to build mm -hmm. along the way and a lot of practice. How does the book come in? Because yeah. that's a pretty good um, decision that you have yes. to make. Okay, let me start. Oh, I like the way you book, said that. Then... It's a pretty good decision. <laughs> it's a pretty good decision to make to, or to have to make, right? Yes. But then, then what happens? Because isn't, yeah. isn't it scary? Can it be scary? Or is yes, it of course. It was, it? it was definitely that I remember the day I announced to a group of people, some of whom I didn't even know that well, but they were all colleagues. I was at a I was at a conference and um and I said I'm writing a book and then I said to myself, oh my God I can't believe I just said that out loud. <laughs> um, you know I actually have had it in my mind for quite a while that I wanted to write a book, um, but I wasn't sure I actually believed myself that I was really going to do it, and and yet I will tell you that this book has been kind of living inside of me for a long time. So when I finally declared that I was going to do it, it was almost a relief. It was both, you ever have something that feels both scary and exciting at the same time? It was one of those things. Yeah. And and so then I, I, I just, well, I said it out loud, I guess I have to do it now. <laughs> so um, so I, I hired a writing coach to work with me um, because I, I wanted some structure and I wanted some accountability and I wanted guidance in terms of, I'm not a bad writer. I knew that already, but I, I never written a book. I used to write grants. It was part of my fundraising work. And I, I had to write a thesis when I graduated from, um, undergrad. So I've, I've done some significant writing over the years, but, and I've written some articles that have been published, things like that. But I, I hadn't written anything close to a book. So, um, yeah, so I hired this writing coach um, and and we got the book written. It just I just finished the manuscript recently and um, it's got um, it's got nine chapters and each chapter has a theme. Um, and so each chapter has a theme. That, that ties in with something that often will get in the way of somebody really allowing themselves to pursue something more meaningful, more satisfying, usually work-related. So, yeah. and, then, and then the theme gets introduced and discussed, and then I spend the better part of the chapter sharing stories of real people who really sort of defy those those themes and say, listen, you don't have to let this stop you. Look at what these people have been able to do. You don't have to be these people, but hopefully these people's stories will inspire you to see what's possible. And my hope is that the people who read this book will be able to come away with seeing what's possible and will say to themselves, well, if they could do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. um, and the book also includes at the end of each chapter, 
uh, guiding questions that can hopefully unlock some of your own thinking about what might help you to make these things possible. So, for example, there's a chapter on fear. You know, how does fear drive us? How does fear hold us back or put us into analysis paralysis? Yeah. Um, another chapter about age, you know, are you are you too old to do certain things? I tell the story of a cousin of mine who at the age of 50 went to law school and became a lawyer after a career as a teacher and a guidance counselor. She already had two master's degrees at that point. Um, another friend of mine who, who went back to school and became a nurse at the age of 40 and had a beautiful nursing career. Um, so, you know, uh, another, another chapter that talks all about how do we define success for ourselves? Is, you know, is success, you know, an outcome or is it just part of the journey? How do we define success? So there's all kinds of things. And then I, I illustrate it with all stories. A lot of them are stories of my podcast guests and some of them are stories of my clients uh, or other people I've known in my life. But I, I think they're very inspiring stories of people. And, you know, I'm hoping that people will, will find it to be an enjoyable read that, that is accessible to them to see what's possible. I love that to see what's possible. And I, I wanted to, to ask you if this is connected to your podcast, but you just answered that question. Um, and I, you're right. I mean, definitely these stories, it's stories that inspire us. And mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to, to go back a little bit to what you said about fear, because mm. I really loved the way you approached it uh, into how how does fear drive us mm -hmm. and also how does it prevent us from doing things because mm -hmm. it's, it's both because the way we think about fear is it's something bad all right. the time but the way you right. phrase it it's it's not always something no bad. no in fact I you know, I always say to people you know fear and excitement can be very much the same feeling right mm -hmm. yeah and, and so you know my decision to write a book definitely made me feel fearful, but it was also exciting. Mm -hmm. And so there's, a, there's different, different kinds of fear, right? You know, a lot of us will feel fearful and we'll say, Oh, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. That's the kind of fear that holds us back, right? Or I'm afraid this and this and this will happen. Therefore, I will not. Or there's, ooh, that's so exciting. It makes me afraid. Ooh, I'm shaking. Ooh, I better do that because it's that exciting. And um, or it might even be like for me, it was this is so exciting. I'm afraid I'm going to get more help and support <laughs> as I go through yeah. the process because I I know that I know myself well enough to know that um, I need a little extra help to get myself through the process in a way where I'm going to both learn a lot as I go along and enjoy it. My goal in writing this book was to enjoy the process, to enjoy the process of writing a book, not just to get a book out there. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. have thoroughly enjoyed the process of writing the book. In fact, the part of the process I'm probably not looking forward to as much is marketing the book. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Because... Well, who knows? Maybe I will. I mean, I, okay. I can't say that, but I there's yeah. still there's still a lot of work to be done to to get the word out about it. But um, but I've really enjoyed it. I've I've really I've discovered you know a writer inside myself that is beyond anything I could have imagined. So I, I'm excited about it. Yeah, well, now I'm excited about it too. Like I'm oh, looking forward. You. I'm looking thank forward. You so much. So, so when you. is it going to be published? Is it, okay. um, I don't have an exact date yet. Uh, I the book is right now in the hands of a very um, skilled editor, and once I get the feedback from the editor, I may have to do a little more tweaking. Hopefully not more than tweaking on it. <laughs> and then it will then go through another pair of eyes for some more intense line editing. And then it will then it will go through formatting and design and all those fun things. And mm -hmm. and then we can then start talking dates in terms of getting it ready right. to to launch it. I really feel just hearing you talk about it, that was inspiring. Also, I think your story of how you got to write the book mm. and how you went past that. Oh, my God, it's I, I'm scared and I'm going to do it because it's exciting. Yeah. I feel that's an inspiring story for anyone out there who was ever thinking of starting to write a book. So go ahead. It well, can be scary and, and exciting at the same time. And here's a little encouragement. If somebody out there is thinking about writing a book, I would say go for it because um, there's something about building a practice of writing on a regular basis. I didn't write. I mean, there's some people when they write a book, they write every day. They sit down for at least 15 minutes a day and they write no matter what. Even if it's nonsense, they write. I didn't do it that quite that way. But... Um, just the practice of writing and having a regular rhythm with the writing really built a skill and a creativity within me that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. And during the process of writing this book, the idea for a second book started to emerge in my head or in my heart, who knows what part of me. <laughs> and, and then one morning, while I was still writing this book, one morning I woke up and I had in my mind and in my mind's eye, the outline of a second book. And I got up and I just sat down at the computer and I just put the whole outline for a second book in a document. And I, I put it away. I haven't really looked at it again, but I know what's in there. And there's a good likelihood that that second book will also get written. It's going to be very, it's going to be parallel to this book, but it will be, it will include maybe more research pieces in it, a little more evidence. This book is a little more anecdotal. Mm -hmm. um, right. But I pretty much know what that second book is, is going to look at. So I'm, yeah. I mean, I haven't got the first book out yet. I'm already talking about a second <laughs> book. So... I don't know exactly if I can't, that's not encouragement at all, but it's, <laughs> but I say that because I do think, and I've heard this from several people about the creative process that, yeah. you know, and I never really thought of myself quite in that way. So 
you know, I would say, you know, for those reading my book, if they can do it, you can do it. And I'm saying to myself, if I can do it, I guess I can do it again. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love that. Yeah. If I can do it once, I can do it again. I guess I can do it again, right? <laughs> yeah. So true. Um, Tammy, our, our conversation is getting towards an end. Um, but I, although I feel like we could talk for days, honestly. Yeah. But um, I, I can't let you go before I ask you for one final thought, um, inspiring thought that you want to leave our audience with. It can be, I don't know, a book, a movie, a mm. quote, whatever it is that you want to uh, share with our audience today? Well, it occurs to me, there's a book that I absolutely love. Um, it's called The Last Lecture, and it's by Randy Posh, P-A-U-S-C-H. He was a, a professor at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, Unfortunately, he lost his battle with cancer and he knew he was dying and he gave his last lecture. It's on YouTube. Um, professors, when they're getting ready to retire, give a last lecture. He gave his last lecture, which was turned into a book and it's a wonderful book. There's one chapter in the book called Be the First Penguin and it talks about failure and it talks about how he encouraged his students to fail because failure is a pathway to learning. And it's, it's actually a passage that I actually read to my clients. I pull it, pull it out all the time and I, I read it. It's only about a page and a half long, but I, I encourage people to, to read it. Um, the, the whole book is wonderful. It's a bunch of just teeny weeny little chapters and it's, mm -hmm. it's just full of, I think, wisdom and encouragement about, about life and about uh, what to look forward to, what to, how to think about things. And, and the, the whole point of the book was for him to leave a legacy for his children. And I, I just always point to that book as something that I think inspires and keeps us um, just keeping us, um, you know, remembering what's most important. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I loved... Um... I will definitely look it up on YouTube and put the, the link for the episode for people to be able to find it. But um, I love the legacy part of it because yeah. that that connects so, so well with our need for, for purpose, with our need to matter, our need yes. to be part of the tribe. So yes. that's, that's wonderful that you said it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Tammy, for for being here and for sharing your story and so many stories, so many, you know, little stories of becoming uh, uh, with us today. That was wonderful to, to listen to you. I could sit here all day to listen oh, to you. Thank you. Well, thank you for being a wonderful, wonderful host. I, I felt so uh, welcome and embraced and it was really a wonderful experience. Thank you happy about that. Thank you so much. What are some things that you feel both scared and excited about? Don't you love it when you get a good question? One that makes you think deep and have a mini light bulb moment about you and what makes you you. 
I love that. And I, not so secretly, think this is one of the superpowers of coaching. And not just coaching, but the power of really listening to someone. Being able to also ask a good question. And stay there as they're sharing their answer with you. So I'm happy that Tammy liked the questions as I myself loved so much this conversation with her. And I feel we all resonate with bits of her story. We do resonate with stories of transformation, don't we? Because they take us to an all-personal level. Until next time.